when someone's talking about student loans and you're under that burden, what does it mean to you when you hear debt forgiveness, somebody right. else should pay for it? What does that do? Right. What does that do to these people that are under distress when yeah. somebody throws out a, what seems like a lifeline? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts. I'm David Thompson here with Leo Sabo. And in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to be talking about student loan debt. And we're going to touch on some really interesting statistics, in my mind, like mind-blowing statistics that relate to student loan debt and how politicians are jumping in to provide solutions or at least provide political banter on this and how this is going to impact you. Uh, If you have student loans, if you know someone who has student loans, we're going to talk about all these different facets of the student loan crisis, of the student loan debt problems in America. Uh, That's what we're going to be looking at. Student loans are now at 1.6 trillion dollars. Yep. That's an incredible number. (laughs) It's crazy. That number has tripled since 2005. So the past 14 years, Mm -hmm. it went from, I don't know, what's one third of 1.6? Yeah, it's 0.56, 0.57, somewhere in there. So so you go from from maybe 500 billion Mm -hmm. to 1.6 trillion. The numbers are staggering. Uh, To understand the magnitude of this number, you've got to consider that credit card debt, all credit card debt, is only at one trillion, yeah, which is a huge problem in itself. <laughs> which is also but this a mess. completely eclipses that. Yes, so um, yeah, we're going to have to look at the consequences uh, for young adults as they start out their journey, and they've got sizable student loans. And I just think it's crazy that we're here. I, well, I agree. And uh, we actually found this a survey that we want to share with you. It was done in 2018 by Summer and Student Debt Crisis. And some of these stats were staggering to us. So we want to share them with you and help you understand the impact this has. It's not just the loan issue. It's how it impacts those who take it and then have to start their life out. So most students that take out student loans are young adults. They're between 18 and 22 years old, less than 25. And as soon as they come out of school, they start their life. And there are certain things that we expect young adults to do as soon as they start their career. So look at some of these statistics. 19% of these folks will put off marriage. 19%. 26% putting off having children. And we talked about the issue with how many children are being born today versus 100 years ago and how that's impacting Social Security and so many other aspects of our society. 56 prevented from buying a house and 42% prevented from buying a car. Yeah. I mean, these are huge, huge things. Imagine you graduate from school, but you can't purchase a vehicle to get to and from work. I mean, mm-hmm. 42% are putting off or being prevented from buying a car. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, the idea of 19% waiting on marriage, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, which I understand, there may even be some wisdom in sure, that. Sure. But the point is, is that it's happening because, because of yes. the amount of student loans. Yes. 80% have put off saving for retirement. I mean, that's just obvious that's, because that's they're swamped with debt, 
But when you're young, that's the best time to start saving because then you've got a 30, 40, 50 year time horizon for right. that money to grow. Instead of a 20, 25 exactly. year horizon. Exactly. So so we're not saying that they're necessarily wrong in the fact that they're not doing some of these things because some of them are so swamped with debt, but it's wrong that there's so much debt out there that it's now forcing these young adults to not be able to do things that they should be doing early on in their life. Uh, 58% report a decline in their credit score. And that's mm -hmm. because they've got all this debt that they hopefully can make payments on, but not all of them can. So now their credit scores to going down 13% failed a credit check for an apartment application. So mm -hmm. you get out of college and you can't even get somewhere to rent 13%. Right. I mean, that's more than one out of 10 people yeah. that are not going to be able to find a place to live, at least not an apartment based on these issues from this problem. It's just crazy. Yeah. There's a couple more. 85% said student loan debt was a major source of stress. Yeah. And it's a big one because emotionally that much debt, I've been under that type of a load and it really does impact almost every waking moment of your life. I yeah. mean, you just go to bed thinking this is, this is a nightmare and I need to wake up from it. And I think for some people, it's so overwhelming that some people will even commit suicide off of this yeah. you know, because they just don't, don't see a way out. And that's terrible to think that somebody has with so much promise would even right. consider taking their life because of money. Right. But this is the kind of pressure it built. Yeah. And the last one is 50% could not donate to charity. Mm. And this is a big one. I mean, if you think about the fact that there are some organizations that are doing great things throughout the world, even in our own communities, and if everybody is not pitching in something, then these organizations either have to wait on a few people to be super generous yeah. or they don't get funded. Yeah. And some of these programs that are not going to be done, then the government has to step in, and we know how the government handles <laughs> those kind of situations. Not so, done well. So, so again, yeah. as we look at all of these statistics that have come from this study, we see some very significant things that are preventing yeah. these uh, young adults coming into their own careers, their own adult life. Yeah. Uh, and and I think it's going to have even more consequences down the road right. for these people. Right. And the things that we talk about all the time, David, is that long-term horizon about putting aside a little bit at a time for the next 30, 40, 50 years yeah. and how important that is to allowing you to live your life and not worry about throwing a ton of money at this, but just slowly build it over time. Yeah. And a lot of that's not even an option anymore for these folks. Yeah, well, and, and you look at just the personal implications of not being able to do some of these things mm -hmm. right after college. I mean, not being able to donate or give to a charity that's important to you. We know, Leo, that when you give, it begins to break selfishness in your own heart sure. and in your own mind. Sure. And so if you're not able to give anything, which, hey, we know that's not true. You can always give. You can always be generous. It doesn't so, have to always be does, money. Either. Right. So and it doesn't always have to be money. But, so, but we know that if somebody is being held back from giving, they're giving up the opportunity to break selfishness in their heart and in their mind. Mm -hmm. Because generosity, giving to a cause, both financially, but time and energy and your talent, that that is something that roots out selfishness in you. And right. that's a really big deal. I, I look at putting off marriage. Marriage is an institution that's the foundation of the family unit, which then kind of grows into the larger city unit and into larger state and you know political yeah, unit. It's our society. It's, it's what's our based society. on. It starts there with marriage. Mm -hmm. We have two people who can trust and rely on each other. Two are better than one. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, we talked about that a right. lot. So uh, putting off having children, the, the ability to then pour all the great things that you've learned into the next generation and into your kids, that's mm -hmm. such a huge blessing. 
and to not be able to do that because of student loans. We're talking about the the personal and like, I don't know if this is the right word, but like soul level implications of finances impacting our lives. Mm-hmm. And Leo and I hate the idea that somebody would miss out on the opportunity uh, to to begin saving for their retirement, would be, miss out on the opportunity to begin giving, to, to root out that selfishness of them, to be able to get married and begin to go into a deep personal relationship with somebody, all based on money. I mean, like all these, you know, 10 different stats, they all are, they go beyond just the financial numbers. There's a deeper personal level here that we've got to get to. Yeah, totally agree. And there's also the morality of student loan uh, oh, and paying them back. Yes, I think that's, that's something that we, <laughs> we absolutely need to, to discuss because there are a lot of folks these days interested in talking about this topic. One, because obviously the government has noticed, finally, that the 1.6 figure is just nuts. And just recently, actually, uh, we'll mention this a little bit later, uh, an article that came out that you and I were yeah. were. Uh, pointed to that talked about how there needs to be more that the government does in order to uh, deal with this crisis. Yeah. But let's let's start with what does it mean when someone's talking about student loans and you're under that burden? What does it mean to you when you hear debt forgiveness, somebody right. else should pay for it? What does that do? Right. What does that do to these people that are under distress when yeah. somebody throws out a, what seems like a lifeline? Yeah, well, so this is what's important as we talk about this episode and the next couple episodes where we dig into uh, student loans is that there is a morality to borrowing money from somebody else mm-hmm. and paying it back. I agree. Uh, you cannot take somebody's money, use it to buy an education for yourself, and then turn around on the back end and say, well, I deserved it. You should have given me that for free. I'm not going to pay you back. <laughs> There's a morality to what we're discussing here. So as we talk about student loan forgiveness programs, forgiveness is a gentle euphemism that, that makes it sound nicer. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is somebody else is paying your debt. And right. you can use the term forgiveness. Hey, I'm going to forgive you, Leo, of your debt. But really, uh, what's happening here is when the government, quote unquote, forgives, what that means is they're taking somebody else's tax dollars mm-hmm. and they're paying your debt off. Yeah. And so as we talk about this, there, there's a morality that when I go to school and I have a desire to learn about fill in the blank, engineering, art, business, math, I, to become a teacher, right. I have a desire to learn education is not free. (laughs) And so it costs money for someone to give me their time to teach me. It costs money for the books that are printed. It costs money for the the buildings, the air conditioning, the computers. I mean, just whatever it is, there is a cost here. And so we're going to be talking about the morality of saying, look, somebody else invested in me with their time and energy. But in order to do that, I had to pay them something. And so now I'm going to graduate from school and say, oh, I I shouldn't have to pay this back. I deserve this. We're going to be talking about those ideologies and those mindsets because the idea that I deserve something for nothing, uh, well, that's really a broken mindset. (laughs) Yeah. And the other thing that really, when you think about what people are doing when they embrace this kind of mindset is that they're embracing a cultural value, right? And those cultural values basically says it's okay to do something that will benefit some, but actually hurt someone else. Yeah. And in the end, the government doesn't have the ability to, or shouldn't have the ability to punish one group while benefits the other. 
Yeah. Because what does that do to society? It breaks right. it down. It, it causes division. This is something we've seen a lot of. And unfortunately, anytime there's a political season that ramps up because of an election or something like that, we see that where one politician was trying to find favor with one group. And unfortunately, this is where some of this poison is sprinkled in. Yeah. So we really want to address it from that perspective, not because we're trying to take a political stand on any of these issues, but really look at it from a moral perspective. What's yeah. right? What's right, right for What's right. everyone? Yeah. And that may not be that somebody gets a free lunch, because as we talked about, there's no such thing. Right. There's always a cost. And there's a value to understanding that when there's a cost, there's yeah. also a reward. When you're willing to yeah, pay the cost, the reward is going to be much more valuable to you. And it's going to be something that you're going to be proud of, something you're going to use, something you're going to continue to put value in for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a value to delayed gratification and that that hope of something coming in the future where you work hard, you work hard, and then there's a reward and a production for it. And and when you experience that in your life, that's where your deepest joy is going to come from. Not from this idea of I put it in the microwave and it's ready in the next five minutes. Right. Uh, so these are important things. There's no quote unquote secret sauce or top secret way to go through school without paying for it at all. Right. Uh, that I think that's what the big framework here that we want to get at is that that the, even even though we're going to be talking about student loans and even different ways to have student loans quote unquote forgiven or to have them paid back through other means or mm-hmm. just to aggressively attack them we're going to go through some very tactical things but at the end of the day don't think of it through that framework think of it through the framework that there's no way to have a perfectly free education because this goes back to what you just mentioned, the principle that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Correct. So from an economic perspective, you're going to pay for college in some way. So you may study like crazy in high school, mm-hmm. and you pay with your time, and you pay with your energy, and you focus and get really good grades, and then you give up your nights, and you give up your weekends, and you prepare for the SAT and the ACT, and you have then paid with your time and your energy and sacrifice nights out with friends right. in order to get really great grades in order to receive some scholarships mm-hmm. that are going to pay for your education. Now, you may not have paid dollar for dollar, but you paid time and energy mm-hmm. and commitment and sacrifice, and that was part of your payment method. Yeah. And so so the idea of like, oh, I get to college and I didn't study hard, I didn't work hard, I haven't put something aside, Mm -hmm. and then now somebody else should pay for me, I think that's wrong. Uh, Another great way is that somebody may spend hundreds of hours pouring over scholarship information. They graduate from high school and all summer long, from their senior year of high school to their freshman year of college, they look at information all over the country of people who are willing Mm -hmm. to use their own personal funds and generously provide a scholarship to somebody and the person pays for that, you will pay for that by spending hundreds of hours scrolling through all the websites looking for scholarships. And that takes time and it takes energy. <laughs> and it's taking the time to apply yes. over oh, and over. Absolutely. And th- those are not easy processes no. to go through. Right. That is work. You are working for it. In fact, that's, that's the one thing that I kind of wish I would have instructed my kids more in, yeah. that if they would have taken the time to apply for scholarships, I think they could have covered at least half of their tuition by doing that. They were both good enough to do it, they could have done it, but it just wasn't an emphasis. But for some people, that may be the only way that they can go to college. But it's still not free. It still requires a lot of work. Right. Another one is you're going to work your way through school. You may study <laughs> yeah. for 30 hours while you're working, but you're also going to 
work 20 to 30 hours a week, you know? Right. So you're embracing a, a, a cost of living, a lower lifestyle in order to make the sacrifice. Again, there's a cost to working while you're also going to school. Yeah. And you then you're you giving work. up a lot of things to do that. Yeah. And you work and then you pay actual dollars mm-hmm. for your education. So it's like, oh yeah, I paid for my school. Some people paid for their school in high school while they were working on their education right. to be the best of the best. Some people paid for their education by writing out scholarship applications. Some people pay for their education by simply working. And that's that's really the route that I went down mm-hmm. mainly is that, you know, I, I took, I don't remember what all the numbers were, but the first two years I took like 18 hours of college credit every semester right. and then at least 15, but usually 18 but then I also work 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting in 60 plus hours a week as a student and I'm living at home with a low cost lifestyle so that the 30 hours that I do week at an unskilled labor rate, I was working as a waiter, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I was, I was, I was somewhat skilled labor because I was serving food, but I was not highly skilled labor. Right. And so I'm, I don't know what the dollars were, but let's say I was averaging $15 an hour. Well, $15 an hour takes a long time to pay for an education. Oh, yeah. That's why you work 30 hours a week. That's why you put in the extra time. Uh, and it may have been more or less than 15 an hour, but whatever it is, you've got to realize that you're going to pay for this education somehow. Uh, another way to quote unquote pay for your education is to go to a community college where you're paying by giving up some of the amenities of a four-year institution. So right. if a four-year institution maybe costs $20,000 a year, all expenses included, but the community college costs you $5,000 a year, you have saved 15000 but you paid for that 15000 by having to live at home mm. and not going off-site and getting the on-campus experience. Or you paid for it by going to the local community college that has less great workout facilities and less great branding and less football you know, games and all these cool things that somebody may experience at the four-year university. So you are paying for it. It's the same as if you were to go to a private institution. Now you're going to pay way more well, the fact that you gave up going to the private institution and went to the community college, in a sense, you've paid for it. There's also the understanding that the government does subsidize community college and some four-year state institutions. And so even then, it's being paid for by someone. Right. And I think that's what we need to understand is that there is a moral implication to uh, when you go to college, you don't just... This is the where we're at in the history of the world is not the place where you can just be born and then deserve a higher level of education. You work for it. You work for it either in high school, you work for it physically in college, or you work for it by giving up certain amenities and going to a cheaper, higher level institution and still getting a good education, but you've had to sacrifice some things. Yeah. So the bottom line is that there's a cost. There's yes. always a cost. There's always a cost. And we need to embrace that, that that's not a bad thing. Yes. It's not a bad thing. And when we hear rhetoric and information and different opinions that say you shouldn't have to pay i think something should rise up in us and say well wait a minute somebody has to pay because i know there's no free anything right so therefore who's going to pay for it right and is that right right is it right to take from somebody else to pay for my education right is it right for me to come over to your house leo steal money out of your safe or your wallet and then go buy myself a new car 
And I'm like, oh, no, I deserve this car. I deserve to have transportation. I deserve to be able to go take from some... Because, I, I mean, I, you know, we've never run the numbers, Leo, but I have a feeling your net worth is higher than mine. <laughs> Therefore, I should be able to come over to your house and take what I want That's because right. I equal. deserve it. Make it equal. I, I make it equal. I fair. see some really great books on your bookshelf right now. I don't have them, Leo. I want them. <laughs> I take it right off your bookshelf and I walk home with it. it. There's a difference between me taking something that belongs to you and you recognizing that I have a need and you generously saying, David, I have this book. It impacted me. It served me well. Right. I want to give it to you. Yes. There's choice. There's choice. There's choice. There's and a that, huge and that's difference. A, that's a big thing. Yeah. So the last thing maybe is thinking about using debt to pay for school. And this is kind of where we are really focusing on this episode in the right. next couple is that you may not pay right now if you take out a student loan. Right. But but you will be paying. <laughs> That's right. You're going to pay. And, and it's just an understand fact that when you sign a document that says, I promise to pay this amount of payment per month, per year, with interest included, you're also not only agreeing to paying, but you're also agreeing that whatever consequences comes from this, you can handle, right? That there's yep. a financial pressure that you're going to be under that says, hey, I have to pay this back, yeah. which means that there's going to be a sacrifice later. You're going to pay for it. In, in payments and the things that we discussed earlier, yeah. which you may have to put off some things. Yeah. And, and that's okay. And I, I really want to emphasize this. It's okay to pay for things. Yes. It's okay to make sacrifices. Exactly. Because that's what makes you a, a more valuable person. Right. You go through stuff. You, you're, you're being refined and made into a better person. Yeah. And so whether all of these things we touched on, this was intentional, whether you study like crazy in high school, whether you spend 100% of your time pouring over scholarships uh, and writing for grants, yes. whether you're going to community college, whether you're working, whether you're taking on debt, all of it is you agreeing that there's a cost and you're willing to take it on. Right. Well, and I even look through the um, statistics that we just talked about, you know, 20% put off marriage. I personally experienced that because mm -hmm. I waited to marry, Ashley and I, we waited to get married till after we graduated from college. We put off, we sacrificed, we waited on marriage in order to finish our educations. Now, it wasn't specifically because of student loans, but that sacrifice was worth it. Mm -hmm. And we invested that time in our education so that our marriage could be more fruitful. Two college-educated people have a much higher likelihood of maintaining their marriage throughout their lifetime. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a, that's a well-known statistic. There are like four or five major implications or indicators of a successful marriage. And college education is one of those things. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, honestly, because we had to wait to get married, that meant that we put off having children. And that was a sacrifice. Of course, we would have loved to have gotten married at age 20 and had kids at age 22. And, but everything got shifted back for the education. And I don't feel like we did anything wrong or anything bad. I think that was a worthwhile investment. Mm -hmm. Now, when we talk about student loan debt, I think the struggle is for me is that we see students who are really not educated and they're too young to make a decision on taking out huge amounts of student loans mm -hmm. that are going to impact them for 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Yeah. And I think that it's important that as, as leaders, as friends, as family members, that we and you, the listener, would be going and talking to the people you know in this age range 
and sharing the implications. And I think it's interesting that, that the government is finally starting to catch on to this because of the $1.6 trillion of mm-hmm. student loan debt. And guess who's kind of on the hook for that? The government. Yeah. If the students don't pay... Which really means we're on the hook for which it. Which really means the taxpayers. Let's just be real Which about is really that. you and me, Leo. Yeah. They could, they, the government could raise our taxes sure. because they allowed somebody else to borrow money and they didn't have good educational standards in place. And now the government's in trouble, which means we're personally in trouble, which I don't love. No, not at all. <laughs> um, so huge shout out to our friend, Jonathan Arosameno, who sent us this article from MarketWatch. And it talks about how the U.S. Treasury Department is finally understanding the importance of educating students on finances before they make these huge life-altering decisions and giving students the information that they need. So, Leo, what are some things that we can do or that as a, as a society we could put in place at the collegiate level to begin better educating these students about the true cost and the pain of student loans? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I really appreciated that that this article was written and that the, the, you know, the powers that be, whoever those are, whether it's the government or whether it's the financial institutions, that they are seeing this as a problem finally and that they're willing to say, hey, we need to do more, that there's some financial education that needs to happen ahead of time, not after the effect, yeah, because yeah. it really does no good for those people that are already in debt at this point. Uh, we'll talk about and hopefully give some good uh, suggestions and information that would be helpful for those folks. But I love the idea that they're doing it. It's a little bit late, but it's better than never. So I am grateful for that. But the thing that I also want to say is whatever the government and whatever institutions may put into place to help these future students make better decisions, I think that's important, that there are guidelines and things in place uh, so that it's not easy to get into trouble. But I also would say that it's the primary responsibility of the family the father, mm. the mother, yeah, good. the family, even the grandparents, to step in to, and to really educate their children and grandchildren on the importance of thinking through this big decision and whether borrowing at all is necessary or if they should pay for it in different ways that we've discussed earlier. So I think it's important that our government gets involved, that the financial institutions have some policies, some things in place that they have to abide by so they don't literally bring these people into slavery, which I think right. is what's happening. But at the same time, we cannot be unaware of our own personal responsibilities right. as adults who see and maybe even have experienced some of this pain. We should be influencing our children and our grandchildren yes. so that they don't have to suffer through the pain that maybe some of us have. And obviously, a lot of these people are going through right now. That's right. So some of the solutions that are being reported and being tossed out there by the Treasury Department and by other thought leaders in the space is first and foremost to have financial aid offer letters and financial aid. Let me just even pull Mm -hmm. that term apart. You know, you have the FAFSA forms out there and financial aid applications. Financial aid is typically just a fancy, nice way of saying student loan debt and borrowing. That's it. Like financial aid. I'm going to aid you by giving you money that you can borrow. Now, there are some grants and there are some scholarships that fall under the quote unquote financial aid uh, umbrella. But I remember when I was in school and they're like, oh yeah, here's how you apply for financial aid. I was so excited. I was thinking, oh my goodness. They're going to help me. They're going to help me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then when I saw what they were going to give me, it was all debt. Yep. 
And it was debt that I was just thinking, I don't want to go into debt for this. And so I chose to, instead of going into debt, I chose to work the 30 hours and to live at home. Mm -hmm. Whereas I had the opportunity to go to go to a school six hours away and live in the dorms. Yep. And the and the student aid would've would have been would have covered it, yeah. but it would have been ten thousand, fifteen thousand of student loans. And I and I wasn't comfortable with that at yeah. the time. And so, okay, financial aid offer letters, these debt offer letters, sometimes with you know, some grants and scholarships, they should have an itemized and subtotaled cost of the attendance. Mm-hmm. So if I'm gonna go to school, it should tell me exactly how much I'm going to be spending and how much money it's going to cost me to attend this college. Right. It's, it'll blow you away, but most colleges don't do this. They do not actually give you the real numbers in a itemized breakdown of what you're spending. And this directly affects the costs that you're going to pay to the college for things like tuition, mm-hmm. for fees. I remember there was a, a, I went to SMU in Dallas for my last two years of college. I remember a, an expense of just called other fees for one thousand eight hundred dollars. Wow. That that the school could not tell me what that meant. I said, yeah. "What is this? I don't I don't want to pay these other fees. I'll pay the tuition. I'll pay for the meal plan." And actually, I was an, an RA in the dorm, so I didn't pay for the meal plan. But like, I'll pay for the tuition. I'll pay for the parking. Yep. Yeah, I can I can physically see where I need to park, and that costs you money to to own land, and so I will pay for the parking. I wasn't happy about paying for parking. I remember being a little incensed about that too. But I'd rather pay for that. But you tell me there's eighteen hundred dollars in fees that that you can't even tell me what they are. Yeah. That drove me crazy. So these costs should all be calculated. And it should show the student what they got in what the total cost is, what they got in scholarships, what they're taking out in debt, mm-hmm. and kind of a timeline. If it takes you ten years to pay this debt off, you may think you're only spending fifteen thousand this year, but you're actually spending twenty two thousand based on all the interest you're gonna spend. And then if you rack that into not just one year, but two years, three years, four years, now it's itemized out to where it's like you're now expecting to pay back over a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars for this four-year experience. Right. But most students don't have that information in front of them. Nope. What they have, and I actually just uh, got something in the mail the other day. It, it looks really cool. You open up the the college acceptance letter, and it shows, "Oh, welcome to the university!" And it's this huge congratulations, and there's confetti, and and there's like a banner that you can put above you and take a picture with hashtag accepted or hashtag loved by this university or whatever it is. The whole sentiment is around the joy of getting accepted into the college without realizing the expense. Mm -hmm. And I I think there should be joy around being accepted into a great institution. There's nothing wrong with that. But a student should have the ability to look at the actual numbers. And I think that's really cool that we're now getting to the place where that could be something that schools are required to do because not a lot of schools do that well right now. Yeah, you know, you know, it reminds me of the the whole housing market. What happened in two thousand seven eight, and the economy? Uh, it was due to, unfortunately, loans that were being offered to people that should have never gotten loans. And how did that happen? Well, it happened because the downside to taking on the loans was never discussed. Right. Meaning, hey, borrowing one hundred twenty percent of the value of the loan are, is not only going to put you behind day one, but it'll put you behind like forty percent. Because we talk about adding 20%, right, putting 20% down. So if you have to walk away, you can cover the costs. Well, when you buy a house and you're putting almost nothing down and you're borrowing 120%, 
I mean, that's putting you in a position where you can't just walk away right. by writing a check. Right. You're going to be indebted for multiple years. And this is the same thing. It's hiding valuable information, in my opinion. And it's just allowing people to get into. And I, and I had this discussion with a friend recently where, you know, the default rate for credit cards is so low. It's like 2 to 4%. And it's because it's so low that these credit card companies are willing to offer debt beyond what anyone should take because they know one way or another you're going to stress over it and you're going to make the payment. Right. Even if it takes right. you the rest of your life, you're going to continue to make payments. Yeah, you'll make the minimum payment. But then because you make the minimum payment, it takes what should have been a $1,000 bill mm -hmm. and literally turns it into a $4,000 bill. I, I, it's like like 3654 Like I've run the numbers. I've seen the actual yeah. credit card statements. And the cool thing is, is finally there's been some legislation that requires the credit card statements to show you yep. what the overall expense will be exactly, if yep. you only pay the minimums. But that's what they're finally now starting to do for colleges. Here's what it would look like if you only pay the minimums on your student loans. Here is how much you're actually borrowing. Borrowing. So this is really important stuff. I agree. And there's so much more that we're going to touch on, but unfortunately, we're going to have to do that in the next episode. Yes. So we just want to thank you for joining us for this episode. Our desire is for you to continue to develop in your own financial wisdom. And part of what we're doing on this podcast is really to help you understand personal finance and how that's touching your life. So if you enjoy the episode, would you do us a huge favor? Would you share uh, this episode with someone? a loved one, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, someone that will benefit. I was talking to a friend recently, uh, someone that actually is one of my tenants, and we were talking about finances. And, and I just said to him, I said, if you manage your money well, there's a lot of things that you can do. And the first thing he said is, I don't manage my money well. So I know, it's, <laughs> I know a lot of people are stuck and they don't know what to do. They don't know how to manage it. And what we've been offering on this podcast and what we, we continue to offer is just basic financial information that I think will make a tremendous difference in your life. So please, if this is benefiting you, share it with someone else. And if you would, go a step further. Review and rate our podcast. Yes. We would love to get to 150 reviews uh, on iTunes because the algorithm is going to improve our exposure and more people will find us naturally. So share it, but also subscribe to it and review and rate it because that's going to help us grow in another way. Yeah. I mean, let me just put this in here, Leo. Since we started this push, we've had another 20 nice. people go out and rate and review the podcast, yes. which is just, it's so, we're so grateful for that. Yeah. Thank super, you. Thank you for taking grateful. the time. Thank you for taking the time to write something mm -hmm. in that review. Uh, that means so much. And we've that's just 20 that have happened on iTunes. Mm -hmm. So that means that when you go into Spotify and the Google playlist yep. and CastBox there's, there's and all the other applications that are out there that people listen to us through, we just say thank you. 20 is just a representative sample. Yep. It's awesome. Uh, so grateful for everybody for doing that. And please continue to do it. We also encourage you to find and follow us on our social media channels and just continue to spread the love. We'd love for you to do that. Also, you can go to leosabo.com for more resources, tools, and helpful content. And also, you can go to stewardshippastors.com and see all the great work that David is doing through that website and all the help that he's giving to churches and local leaders in churches about biblical stewardship and really equipping this generation of leaders to train up and do what we're doing in this sense, yeah. but doing it in a church setting, and I love that. Yeah. Check out his book, Jesus on Money. You can pre-order that. That's coming out later this year, and I think it's going to be a great resource for you and potentially your pastor. If you were going to a church and your pastor does not address this topic, we know many pastors are kind of shy about teaching right, on, on right. money because there could be some negative consequences, and, and I understand that. Well, this book is going to be a great resource for them so that they can use that information 
to teach their congregation about money from a biblical perspective. Well, we are grateful for all that you're doing to spread the love for getting money right, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. Now, when we talk about student loan debt, I think the struggle is, for me, is that we see students who are really not educated and they're too young to make a decision on taking out huge amounts of student loans Mm -hmm. that are going to impact them for 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Mm